What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It is Monday, new week, new show. We have power rankings, team of the week, player of the week, and some of the biggest storylines. Is Juan Soto on the move? The Astros are playing great. The Dodgers are playing great. This is going to be a fun one. Let's get to it. A high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. So, first, we have to talk about Juan Soto. Let's get right into it with Juan Soto because it felt like leading into the All Star game, this was the biggest topic. Coming out of the All Star game, this is the biggest topic. And over the last few days, it still continues to be. The biggest topic. Juan Soto turns down this $440 million deal from the Washington Nationals and in comes all of these trade speculations. And throughout the last week or so, throughout the last few days, it certainly seems like the trade talks are ratcheting up. Teams are starting to get on the phone with the Nationals. Uh, there's a lot that is going into it. But first off, like, Poor Juan Soto that this came out right before the All-Star game. Well, first off, not poor Juan Soto because he's quite literally not going to be. But this comes out right before the All-Star game, and he comes out and he's just, just getting questions asked about that. And he's like, yeah, it kind of sucks. Like, I just wanted to enjoy my time. And now everybody's talking to me about getting traded. But naturally, everyone is talking about this because the guy is 23 years old. 23. And he's already perhaps the best hitter in Major League Baseball and already in his career in categories with only Ted Williams. I mean, it's crazy what he has done up to this point. Listen to this as well. This is the best ever hitters through age 23 with a minimum 1,000 plate appearances, according to WRC+. WRC Plus is runs created, but the W is for weighted runs created. There's a lot that goes into it. But this is a legit stat. If you're not familiar with it, it is legit. Look it up. Carlos Correa was on Flippin' Bats Season 2, the first episode of the year, and he said his favorite stat when it comes to looking at a player is WRC+. So this is the best ever hitters, according to WRC+, through age 23. Listen to this list. At number eight is Juan Soto. Listen to the other names ahead of him. Number eight, Juan Soto. Seven, Mickey Mantle. Six, Albert Pujols. Five, Mike Trout. Four, Ty Cobb. Three, Stan Musial. Two, Joe Jackson. One, Ted Williams. This is unbelievable. The two names behind him to wrap up the top ten are Jimmy Fox and Eddie Matthews. I mean, this list is literally the greatest players of all time. And he is on it, and he is not even 24 years old. He basically has this whole season. So that's why this is such a big talking point. Juan Soto very well could be traded. The Nationals do not offer him what he is looking for. $440 million over 15 years sounds great. The average annual, the AAV for this is under $30 million, and 20 other players are making more than that per year than Juan Soto would be if he accepted that deal. The Nationals knew there was no way he was accepting that. So now here we are. There seems to be some tension, might I add. Juan Soto 
tweeted and deleted a tweet the other day. Derek Jeter, you know, his whole documentary comes out. He tweeted the other day, this is Derek Jeter, loyalty one way is stupidity. Juan Soto quote tweeted that with just a period and nothing more. Tweets that out, deletes it shortly after. But there's clearly some turmoil, some tension here. Juan Soto goes out to the All-Star game. He is the Nationals All-Star. Teams have the ability to fly their players out to the All-Star game on a private jet. A lot of teams do this. The Nationals didn't. They did not fly Juan Soto in the midst of these contract talks to the All-Star game. What, what What are we doing here? If you're the Nationals, like what do you want him or not? How, how can you do that in the midst of all of this? So then it goes on. He ends up in the midst of all of these trade talks. How many teams are going to be involved? Well, Ken Rosenthal, our own Ken Rosenthal, and friend of the pod, Ken Rosenthal, tweeted recently, as I said on FS1, this is during the FS1 game the other day, multiple clubs saying Nats ask. The Nationals' ask for Soto is four to five top youngsters, a combo of prospects and major leaguers with low service time. Ten days from the deadline, the Nats aren't negotiating. One exec says a team either shows willingness to meet the price or the Nats move on. What I want to know here is, did the Nats really say we're looking for four to five youngsters? Youngsters feels like a term that nobody uses anymore. Are we really using youngsters? I don't believe they said that. But either way, the asking price is going to be very high, rightfully so for Juan Soto, who is 23 years old and already in the conversation with Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, Mike Trout, all of these guys. It is unbelievable, and he is only 23, and he could now be on the move. Here's my thoughts here. The Nats are in a conundrum, a pickle, if you will. He's 23. They just offered him $440 million over 15 years. The average annual salary is not near what he should get and what he is going to get. But he, after this year, has two years of service time left. So what team is going to give five of their top prospects to the Nationals to get Juan Soto for two years, and then you're going to have to pay him half a billion dollars? But the Nationals are also at a point where they're not going to pay him and maybe can't pay him what he is willing to get and what he deserves. So what do you do? You're going to have to take less than you want in a trade, is my opinion. You can't let these two years come up and then just not pay him and let him go for nothing. You have to get something. But teams aren't going to break the bank for two years of service time of Juan Soto. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. There are some teams in the running. Uh, I've heard the Cardinals. I've heard the Yankees the Mets, and the Padres. What's going to happen with Juan Soto? I don't know. But we might be finding out here soon. The trade deadline is August 2nd, and Juan Soto's name is now at the tippity top of the list of players that might just be available. But moving on to another storyline from the last few days and the last month, really, the Los Angeles Dodgers. How good have they been lately? It is unbelievable. They win the game on Sunday. They have now won 19 of 21 games. 19 of 21 the Dodgers have won. In a year where their starting pitching is without Walker Bueller, they've been without Kershaw for a good bit of time. He's now back. But what they have done, they're coming off a four-game sweep of their heated rival, the 
the Giants. I mean, it's just unbelievable what they have been doing. Entering Sunday, the Dodgers have two players hitting above 400 in the month of July. Freddie Freeman, who one might expect to be doing this. He was player of the week before the All-Star game, and he hit almost 700 in the week. But the other player, Justin Turner, who was hitting under 200 on the year. But in the month of July, over 400. If Justin Turner turns it around, I don't even know where to begin with this team. I mean, the lineup's already unbelievable. And it just feels like when you look at this team, they continue to do what they're doing now with a ridiculous and insane record without being 100%. I mean, Walker Bueller is out for a long time. Hopefully he's back at some point this year, but he's out most of the year. Clayton Kershaw's been out for a while. You look at the bullpen, their best pitcher... Their best pitcher throughout the year so far had been Daniel Hudson. Shout out ODU. Proud alum here. He's a proud alum as well. But, I mean, he was the best pitcher in that bullpen. Now you look at the back end and it's got Craig Kimbrell, who's no guarantee, and then a bunch of guys that are just filling in and honestly doing a pretty good job. But I don't know. I mean, and and then on the offensive side, Max Muncy has not been good. Cody Bellinger is just nowhere near what he was back a few years ago when he was winning MVP. And we shouldn't expect that Cody Bellinger back. But, I mean, the are we just expecting him to hit 200 for the rest of his career now? I don't know. But he's in the lineup hitting around 200. Justin Turner around 200. You just continue to look around, and it's like, man, this lineup has some serious holes. Oh, wait, this team is 63-30. and 30. I mean, what? it's unbelievable what they're doing. Blake Harris tweeted, don't look now, but the Dodgers have the fewest losses in all of baseball at 30. It's it's impressive what they're doing. Without Walker Bueller, the Dodgers lead all of Major League Baseball in starters ERA. Who would have saw this coming? Kershaw 7-2 with a 2.13. That one you can probably see coming because if you're ever betting against Clayton Kershaw being good, you're, you're doing something wrong. But listen to these. Tony Gonsolin, 11-0 with a 2.02 ERA. His only loss came in the All-Star game, by the way. He got That's that's baseball. He's 11-0 on the year, but he actually got the loss in the All-Star game. Funny how that works out. 11-0 with a 2.02. Tyler Anderson, 10-1 with a 2.79. Julio Urias, 9-6 with a 2.72. That's why the Dodgers are as good as they are. And yes, the offense is unbelievable. Trey Turner... Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts. I mean, those guys are unbelievable. But you look around and there have been guys that are struggling in that lineup this year. The reason the Dodgers are as good as they have been is because of those names. Tony Gonsolin, Tyler Anderson, Julio Urias, Clayton Kershaw. It's been electric what they have been doing this year. And the offense just continues to get better and better. Mookie Betts with the 200th home run of his career over the weekend against the Giants. Mookie Betts just continues to be the Mookie Betts that the Dodgers expected when they got him from the Red Sox. I mean, he comes over and he was a good baseball player. This Mookie Betts is unbelievable. This is what you expect Mookie Betts. And his 200th homer of his career, we don't stop and look at that number too often, but that's a lot of homers. Mookie Betts is rolling. Freddie Freeman is on another planet. That's how good he is right now. Trey Turner, I mean... The list goes on, and that is why the Dodgers have won 19 of their last 21 games. Easily 
leading the NL West when, when there's playoff teams in that division. The Padres are likely to make the playoffs and they're double-digit games out of first place. That's how much the Dodgers are rolling right now. But moving on, final storyline, another team that is rolling. The Houston Astros. Coming out of the break, they're tasked with just a weird schedule. You know, one of those where, oh, we have to make up because of the beginning of the year when the lockout happened. Well, coming out of the All-Star break, All-Star game happens on Tuesday. They have a doubleheader against the best team in baseball to that point, the New York Yankees, on Thursday. They sweep the New York Yankees in that doubleheader. They look fantastic. They take off for Seattle, where they sweep the Seattle Mariners. I mean, this Astros team right now is unbeatable. It's been unbelievable. So on the year against the New York Yankees, 5-2. and two. The New York Yankees, might I add, were on this pace that everybody was saying, this could be the greatest Yankees team of all time. Now, one, whenever you hear that, just stop somebody in their tracks and say, if you're ever talking about somebody being the greatest Yankee or the greatest Yankees team of all time, there's probably a better option just because of how storied this Yankees history is. But they were on pace to break the all-time record for wins in a season. That's how good they have been. Aaron Judge is on pace to break the all-time Yankees record. That one is a fact. They, Aaron Judge is actually on pace as of right now to break the all-time Yankees record. He has been unbelievable with, in terms of home runs in a single season. But then they can't. Then they face the Houston Astros, and I've been saying it all year long. The Astros are the team to beat in the American League. I was saying it when the Yankees were the best team in baseball. I've been saying it when they're still one of the best teams in baseball. And I was saying it when the Astros were beating up on the New York Yankees. The Astros are the team to beat in the American League. I tweeted this after the sweep of the doubleheader. Astros sweep. The Astros and Yankees have completed all seven regular season matchups. The Astros went 5-2. and two the Yankees never once came up to the plate with a lead in seven games. Their two wins came courtesy of a walk-off. They never once came up to the plate with a lead in seven games against the Astros. And then I tweeted this. I said it months ago. I'll say it again. The Yankees are a fantastic team and have been the best team in baseball this year. But the Astros are the team to beat in the American League. People laughed at first, which they did. Oh, you're biased. Your brother's on the team. You can't say that. I don't care if my brother's on the team. Believe it or not, I have an ability to talk about baseball without being biased towards my brother and the team he plays on. But also, believe it or not, the Houston Astros are playing like the best team in baseball, and they are the team to beat in the American League. Period. End of story. There's two clear best teams in the American League. It's the Astros. It's the Yankees. The Yankees have an Astros problem. They can't beat them. They can't beat them in the playoffs. They couldn't beat them in the regular season this year. And we're on a collision course for October when these two teams line up in the ALCS. One can only hope that we get that. So the Astros dominate the Yankees, dominate the Mariners, who were on the best win streak that they've ever had since 2001 when they when they broke the all-time record for wins. They were on a 14-game winning streak. They cut down the lead in the AL West, and everybody's talking about the Mariners. Well, guess what? The Astros come into town, into your home, and just humiliate them. 
dominated them in a three-game series. The place was sold out. This, this, this was a massive series for the Mariners, and it just didn't go well for them. The Astros are on a roll. This tweet from Phil Hughes, I don't care how many regular season games the Yankees win. If I'm a fan, the Astros scare me in a best of seven. So that's the current state of the Astros coming out of the break. But I also want to talk about my brother and his start over the course of the last few days. It was remarkable. Saturday, seven innings, one run. And that seventh inning, he hit 99.3 miles an hour. The hardest pitch that he has thrown since 2017. My brother's 39 years old. He's coming off of Tommy John and he's throwing 99.3 miles an hour. Not just once. He was touching 99 every other pitch in that last inning that he pitched on Saturday. 97, 98, 99, 99, 98, 99. It was unbelievable. My parents are still in town from the All-Star game. They're staying with me. We were watching this game, and I was just sitting there in awe, in awe of my own brother, who I've watched do this my whole life, but now he's doing it at 39 years old. And if I would say I'm surprised, I'm not. I'm not surprised at this. But this is all-time greatness, what we're watching. This is an all-time great, and he's my brother. And that's really cool. You know, my brother grew up idolizing, idolizing Nolan Ryan. He wanted to be Nolan Ryan. Well, now here we are. My brother's 39 years old. He's well into his big league career. And he's better. Justin is better than Nolan Ryan. Now, You may hear that and think, okay, Ben, it's your brother. You're biased. And that may be true. I want what's best for my brother, and I think he's one of the greatest pitchers of all time. I think he's a top five pitcher of all time, top ten pitcher. But, you know, if you you look at articles, there's articles that say Justin is a top ten to fifteen pitcher. Articles will also say Nolan Ryan is a top ten to fifteen pitcher of all time. Now, Nolan Ryan is an all-time great. Nolan Ryan is a fantastic pitcher. Yes, The strikeout record is there. The longevity is there. The no-hitters are there. Nolan Ryan is a a great. Is he an all-time great? Is he a top-five pitcher of all time? No. So the comparisons are there. The comparisons between my brother and Nolan Ryan. Justin's 39. Here's how he stacks up against a 39-year-old Nolan Ryan throughout his career. To this point, Nolan Ryan's career wins. Nolan Ryan, 253. Justin, 239. Close. Justin's a little bit behind. Win percentage. Justin's at 64.4%. Nolan Ryan's at 52.8%. Now, wins have a lot to do with your team and how good the team is. But ERA. Nolan Ryan, 3.15. Justin, 3.27. Pretty close, a little bit behind. Whip, which is how many people are getting on base in an inning. Justin, 1.13. Nolan Ryan, 1.28. Strikeouts per nine. 
Nolan Ryan has the most strikeouts of all time by far. It's not close. It won't get broken. Nolan Ryan is the strikeout king. Strikeouts per nine innings. Nolan Ryan, 9.4. Justin, 9.1. That one's pretty eye-opening. Walks per nine inning. Justin, 2.5. Nolan Ryan, 5.0. Nolan Ryan was walking five batters over the course of a nine inning. Five. Justin's at 2.5. And this is a big one. War. Wins above replacement. One of the only stats that we have that can really bring everything together in one place and say, hey, I don't care if you're Justin Verlander, Julio Rodriguez, or Mordecai Three Finger Brown. We can all have one stat that we look to and it can judge your wins above replacement. Justin, through age 39 season, he's not even through that season. 75.6. Nolan Ryan, 61.1. Justin's ERA plus is also well above Nolan Ryan's. I'm not here to argue that Nolan Ryan isn't one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the game. I am here to say that my brother grew up idolizing and wanting to be Nolan Ryan And he has not only accomplished that, he has surpassed that. Now, will he pitch to 46? Who knows? Maybe. He wants to pitch for a long time. Will he finish with seven no-hitters? I mean, he's at three at 39 years old, so the odds say no. But again, I wouldn't bet against Justin. Will he break his strikeout record? No. But here's something that's important, and we do this in all sports. When you're comparing legends of the game, you you don't have a ton to work with because you can't really compare ERA. They were in different eras. You can't compare a lot of things. So what you have to point to, and which is why this conversation comes up a lot in sports, is accolades. How you stack up against your peers at that time. Justin's won two Cy Young Awards. Could easily be four, but the Tampa Bay Riders... Screwed him out of that. Another topic for another day. Justin's won two Cy Young Awards. Nolan Ryan has won zero. Justin has won an MVP award. Nolan Ryan has not. Justin has been to nine All-Star games. Nolan Ryan went to eight. These are facts. You can't argue with numbers. You can't argue with facts. A lot of the numbers say their careers have Fairly comparative to right now to this point through their 39 season. The numbers align. The numbers are close. So then you look to the accolades, you look to the awards that they have won, and you can legitimately put Justin ahead. That's what's really cool. And he's still out there at 39 years old, throwing almost 100 miles an hour, punching out a bunch of guys, climbing the ranks of the all-time strikeout list, an ERA around 1.8 in Cy Young contention. Shane McClanahan has been fantastic, but Justin might be right now the front runner, front runner for Cy Young. Tying three-finger Mordecai Brown in all-time career wins. All-time career wins. Shout out Mordecai three-finger Brown. I think what he's done was more impressive because he did it with three fingers. So Justin's got a few more to go. 
But this is pretty cool what we're able to talk about. Roger Clemens holds the record for oldest player to win a Cy Young Award at 42 years old. Man, really cool what Justin is doing. A big reason why the Houston Astros are so good. The Houston Astros have been playing like the best team in the game of baseball of late. Where will they rank in the in the power rankings? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. But I also need to shout out for a second Jordan Alvarez before we move on. What I want to say here is real quick and real easy. Jordan Alvarez, I feel like, is getting compared to, to David Ortiz in a, in a way. A big bopper, left-handed, hits for power. No, no, no. Jordan Alvarez is is doing it all right now. And I was watching a game the other day. Jordan Alvarez's sprint speed is is above average. He sprinted to first and beat the... Uh, this was a tweet the other day. Jordan Alvarez sprinted to first and beat the out in the seventh inning. He was clocked at 28.9 feet per second sprint speed. 30 is considered elite. 27 is MLB average. He's sprinting above MLB average. He's throwing guys out from the outfield. He's hitting for power. He's hitting for average. He's doing it all. I'm not going to sit here and say Jordan Alvarez is a five-tool player, but he is much closer to that than he is to a just a big DH that hits for power. He's running faster than league average. He's throwing guys out at the plate. He's playing a pretty decent outfield. He's hitting for average. He's hitting for power. He has the highest OPS and slugging percentage in all of baseball when a guy like Aaron Judge is hitting more homers than any Yankee at this point ever. It's remarkable what Jordan Alvarez is doing as well as the Houston Astros. Jordan Alvarez leads the majors in OPS slugging percentage while ranking second in the AL in at-bats per home run, second in homers, and third in on-base percentage. He leads all of Major League Baseball in hard-hit percentage. The Astros have been incredible. Justin has been incredible. And the American League, as far as I'm concerned, runs through the Houston Astros. That's how good they are. But let's now move on and see just where these Astros are going to rank in my new and updated top 10 Major League Baseball power rankings. All right, let's start at number 10. I have the Minnesota Twins. The Twins continue to hold on in the AL Central, not by a lot. That gap has gotten closer and closer. They're 52 and 44. I like them. In full disclosure, this was a toss-up between them and the Seattle Mariners. What the Mariners did against the Astros, just a, a big series. They just laid an egg. They did not look good. The Mariners have gotten themselves back into contention, but this one goes to the Twins. They're leading the division, 52-44. and 44. They look good. Moving on to number nine, the Tampa Bay Rays. Entering Sunday, the Rays have the fourth-best team ERA at 3.40. That's why the Rays are here. Their pitching is good. Their pitching is really good. Offensively, they just keep shuffling around names. There's nobody that's consistently been there, and they're like they're a star in that lineup. No, but their pitching keeps them in ball games and never bet against the Rays. At number eight, the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers, it's their pitching. Their hitting honestly hasn't been it hasn't been that good, but their pitching is really good. The front end of that rotation, the back end of that bullpen. They're 53 and 43, and I have them at number eight. At number seven. The Padres of San Diego, 54 and 42. Entering Sunday, the Padres are 28 and 7 when Manny Machado records an RBI. Think of that. 
I said earlier this year, this team needs to be carried by somebody. Somebody needs to step up. It's been Manny Machado. They're 28 and seven when he drives in a run in a game. That's pretty good. They're not going to win the division, but they are on pace to get to the playoffs. But as long as they don't just crumble like they did last year, I don't think Bob Melvin's going to allow that. Tatis is coming back at some point soon. They're a really good team. Moving on to number six, a good jump up these power rankings. The Toronto Blue Jays, 53 and 43, entering Sunday. The Blue Jays lead all of baseball in hits and team batting average. They scored more runs in a series than they have ever done in history against the Red Sox. Big thanks to that 28 run game they had Friday. 28 to 5, they beat the Blue Jays, or they beat the Red Sox. 28 to 5. The Red Sox have issues. The Blue Jays are figuring it out. This is why I believed in this team, their offense. They scored so many runs against the Red Sox. Moving on to number five, the Atlanta Braves. The Braves have a 35-12 and 12 record since June 1st. That's including their loss on Sunday. 35-12, and 12, that is the best in baseball. The, the lead in the NL East has dwindled down, nothing because of what the, the Mets have done, but because the Braves took that lead away from the Mets. They're right on their heels, but they haven't yet caught them. And they had a big series against the Mets right before the All-Star break in which the Mets went into Atlanta and won. So the Mets still hold on to the NL East lead, and that series is a big reason why at number four and just ahead of the Braves, I still have the Mets 58 and 37 DeGrom is coming back soon he's expected to have one more rehab start in the minor leagues and then guess what he's back in the big leagues for the first time this year he's expected to pitch in the big leagues very soon they have Max Scherzer back this team hasn't been at full health but they are close and they are still holding on to that lead and went into Atlanta in a big series went into the into Atlanta on the road and beat the surging Braves who have been the best team in baseball since the beginning of June. I have them at number four. At number three, the Dodgers, who I talked about in depth off the top of the show. 64-30, and 30, 19 wins in their last 21 games. W- what more do I need to say? This is why they're so good. They're, there's a best three in baseball. The top three kind of separates themselves from the rest. The Dodgers enter that conversation. Their pitching has been fantastic. Their hitting is heating up. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the Dodgers. In fact, I did at the beginning of the show. But they are here at number three. At number two, my friends, this is where things start getting interesting. At number two, for the first time in a long time, I have the New York Yankees. The Yankees are 66 and 31. They have the most wins in all of baseball. They are a fantastic team. They have been the best team in baseball to this point all year long. They're on, they have their big star Aaron Judge on pace to break their all-time record. They were on pace for a while to break the all-time major league record, which it doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore. But I now have them at number two. And at number one, for the first time in many months, the Houston Astros are on top. The number one spot. They're 63 and 32. They crushed the Yankees all seven games they played this year. Went five and two against the Yankees. The Yankees never once came up to the plate. 
with a lead. The Astros dominated the doubleheader coming out of the All-Star break, won both games of that doubleheader. The Yankees, just to be quite honest with you, did not do well against the Astros all year long. They had the courtesy of of two walk-off wins. Those were their only two wins. The Yankees this year never once came to the plate against the Astros with a lead. Think about that. The Astros held them to two runs or less in four of their seven matchups. Head-to-head, the Astros are the better team. In the game of baseball, the Astros are the best team right now. The New York Yankees have an Astros problem. The Astros know how to beat the Yankees, and the Astros go on the road to Seattle and beat the hottest team in baseball who had won 14 in a row, just make them look silly, won all all three games there in their stadium in a massive series. I'm not overthinking this one. The Astros might not have the amount of wins the Yankees have, but they're right behind them in the standings in terms of the number one seed. And the Astros have shown enough to me and to everybody. There's really no arguing this. The Astros are the best team in baseball. You can't point to the Yankees any longer simply because they're a game up in the standings. I don't care any longer. Look at the head-to-head. Anybody that is watching knows the Astros have been the better team against the New York Yankees, which means the Astros are the best team in baseball, and they round out My top 10 this week, the Houston Astros are in the new number one spot. All right, and now it is time for one of my favorite segments. I'm going to head over here to the board. It is time for my team of the week, where I go position by position, picking the best player at each spot, in my opinion, in the week that was. So let's get started at the catcher position. I have Christian Vasquez of the Boston Red Sox. He had 444 on the week, two homers, two RBIs, and he was really one of the only bright spots for the Red Sox at any point over the last week. It has not been pretty for them, but it was really good for him. Heading on over to first base. At first base, I have Paul Goldschmidt because, of course, I have Paul Goldschmidt. He's the MVP frontrunner in the National League for a reason. He had 444, two homers, four RBIs, and he homered in the All-Star game. That's what MVPs do. On the biggest stage, they perform. And he did it over the course of the last couple days when the Cardinals needed him the most, and he did it at the All-Star game by hitting a homer there as well. So him and Freddie Freeman, in full disclosure, neck and neck. Their stats were very similar. Freddie had a fantastic week, and he's one of the hottest hitters on the planet. But they were very similar, and Paul Goldschmidt got the nudge because of that All-Star game homer, which was also during the week. So it can't count for the stats, but it can count for my team of the week. Moving on over to second base, DJ LeMayhew. 500 on the week, not bad. That's a hit in half year at bats. That's pretty good. A homer, two RBIs. You hit 500 over the course of a full week. You're going to have a pretty good chance of being here. Yankees second baseman DJ LeMayhew is on my team of the week. At third base, for this week's team of the week, Austin Riley. Austin Riley was phenomenal. 545, a homer, two RBIs. I just love this guy. He is such a stud. He absolutely rakes, and he's really good over there at third base as well for the Braves. After a slow-ish start to the year, he's turned his year around, an all-star year, another great week coming out of the all-star game. He's here at third base. Moving on over to shortstop, Nico Horner of the Chicago Cubs, 357, a homer, four RBIs, a really good weekend for him. Nico Horner is here at shortstop. First time this year that Nico Horner has appeared on my team 
of the week. Moving on to the outfield, three outfielders, regardless of position. So stay out of the comments saying, hey, so-and-so doesn't play that position. He plays this one more often. I don't care. It doesn't matter. This is just three outfielders, any outfield position. First up in the outfield, we have Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. 500, three homers, 10 RBIs. Homer again on Sunday, which doesn't count for this team of the week because it goes Sunday to Saturday. But still, I mean, 10 RBIs? Are you kidding me? Coming out of the All-Star break? It's been unbelievable. Aaron Judge is now back on pace to break the all-time single-season home run record for the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees single-season home run record. Just think about that. It's unbelievable. He's been so good. He bet on himself, and he's made himself so much money. It's unbelievable. Next up in the outfield, Mookie Betts. 385, two homers, four RBIs, career home run number 200 on the year for Mookie Betts. Also made a fantastic play to end a game over the course of the weekend, a diving play in right field. He's so good defensively. He's been so good at the plate over the last week. Just how do you not love you some Mookie Betts? And, and his all-star game, you know, the last week, the all-star game counts for this team of the week. His all-star game performance on the microphone with the Jackie Robinson, Rachel Robinson's 100th birthday, getting the crowd to say happy birthday to, to her. Just a really cool experience there to be there for that. I got goosebumps because, of course, I did. He's here, team of the week. My last outfielder, Hunter Renfro, Milwaukee Brewers, 385, two homers, seven RBIs. Hunter Renfro, this week, this is what the Brewers need. The Brewers' offense has not been really clicking this year. There's not that guy that you can point to and say, he's our stud in the lineup. Christian Yelich used to be that guy. He's now a, a good hitter for the Brewers, but they need people to step up and be the best of their ability. And Hunter Renfro this week did a really, really good job. And he rounds out the outfield on my team of the week. Over it, designated hitter, my DH, Jordan Alvarez, because of course, 333 on the week, two homers, five RBIs. Comes off the IL, by the way. He was hurt before the All-Star game. Didn't play in the All-Star game. Come back, comes back homers in his first two games. First two games back. First at bat back. He homers. He's been unbelievable. Leads the league in OPS, slugging percentage, top 10 in virtually every category you can imagine. He's here at DH. On the mound, starting pitcher, Justin Verlander. Got the win on the mound, seven innings pitched, nine Ks, one earned run, throwing 99.3 miles an hour, 99 multiple times in that seventh inning. Around 100 pitches, he was still throwing 99. He's 39 years old with a 1.8 ERA after the All-Star game. It's been unbelievable what he has been doing. Truly remarkable. And Saturday, that nine-strikeout performance, he continues to climb the ladder in terms of strikeouts in Major League Baseball. He tied Mordecai three-finger Brown for career wins all time. I mean, it's legendary what we're seeing. And I'm not just saying this because he's my brother. I would probably be talking about him more if he wasn't because we have a pitcher that is doing things that have never been done before in history. At 39 years old, what he is doing coming off of Tommy John is unprecedented. He's throwing harder than he has since 2017. He's letting it eat at 99 multiple times in the seventh inning. It's unbelievable. 
And he did it again on Saturday. Rounding out my team of the week, my closer, Jordan Romano. He's been on here a few times. Underrated closer for the Blue Jays. Two and a third innings pitched, two saves, three strikeouts, not a single hit at any point this entire week. Dominant stuff from him. The guy throws absolute fuego. He gets the job done for the Blue Jays, and he got it done enough this week to round out this week's team of the week. But my player of the week, this week's flipping bats player of the week, it's Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. How could it not be? 500, three homers, 10 RBIs, an OPS of 1,700. 1.702 OPS. He is on pace as of right now to hit 62 home runs. The New York Yankees' single season record is 61, set by Roger Maris. He is on pace to break the all-time record. How crazy would that be? And coming out of the All-Star break in just a few games, double-digit RBIs. Aaron Judge, this week's Flippin' Bats player of the week. All right, to wrap up this Monday show, a little extra inning segment, something positive, funny, happy, whatever it may be that I just want to highlight. And I have to talk about Sunday. The Hall of Fame induction ceremony took place. All the new Hall of Famers have been inducted. Congratulations to everybody. The ceremony was really cool. Gil Hodges, Jim Cott, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill, and David Ortiz. Big Poppy is a Hall of Famer. And what's so cool about seeing him and seeing that speech is just a couple of days ago on the field at Dodger Stadium, I got to catch up with him and talk to him, ask him some questions. And I want to play that clip right now because he shared with me a really cool moment in his career. And here it is. Plenty of all-star games in your own right. Incredible. What's one of the craziest, funniest memories that you have at an all-star game? It got to be Ichiro trying to speak Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> that was unbelievable. How'd that I mean, go? I, oh, it was. I mean, when he came out trying to speak Spanish, saying what he know, it, it, it was unexpected because it, it, it was coming from a guy that you didn't even know he speak. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he just came out popping with all the Spanish bad words and stuff. And I was like, this is unbelievable. It can get no better. I mean, one, how great is that story? But two, how awesome is it that this guy gets inducted into the Hall of Fame and I was talking to him just a couple of days ago and you got to hear from him on this show. Congratulations to Big Poppy and everybody that was inducted. Really cool ceremony. Love when that happens every year and even more cool this year to have it be somebody I talked to just a couple days prior. But that does it for this Monday episode of Flippin' Bats. Make sure you like Subscribe anywhere you're listening to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, all of that good stuff. Make sure you're following at Flippin' Bats Pod wherever you want to on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, where you can watch every episode as well. Flippin' Bats Pod everywhere. That does it for this Monday episode. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you tomorrow for another episode of Flippin' Bats.